Hello and welcome to Legal in General's podcast, Institutional Insights, on how to tell whether you're ready for a de-risking transaction. I'm your host, Paige Wilson, New Business Manager, and today I'm joined with Frankie Burrell, Head of Client Solutions, and Aisha Patel, Origination and Execution Director here at Legal in General, who have been in the industry for many years and will be telling us all about when is the right time to de-risk and the different solutions available for pension schemes in different positions. Hi Frankie, hi Aisha, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks for having us Paige. So the pension risk transfer market has been very busy during the first half of 2020, writing over 10 billion of transactions. Why has 2020 offered particularly strong pricing opportunities for pension schemes? So it's certainly true, Paige, that wider market volatility this year has allowed some schemes to access excellent value. Now, a number of factors drive insurer pricing. The primary ones are going to be how long we expect people to live and how much it costs to buy the assets that we invest in to meet members' benefit payments in the future. Longevity expectations do change with time, but it's really the cost of those assets, such as corporate bonds, that will day-to-day be a bigger influence on insurers' bulk annuity pricing. In March and April, we observed buying opportunities in corporate bonds that we haven't seen for around 10 years. And as a bulk annuity provider, we are able to help pension schemes capture these opportunities as part of a de-risking transaction. It simply meant that we had to pay less to buy the bonds that we needed for a bulk annuity. It's also worth mentioning that pension schemes that sold their gilt holdings to fund a bulk annuity transaction during this time would have felt this pricing opportunity most acutely. That's simply because they were transitioning into a bulk annuity asset with a higher yield supported by wider corporate bond spreads. Plus, of course, with a bulk annuity, they get the sizable benefits of longevity protection, an asset that perfectly matches their liabilities and the security and protections offered by an insurance company. I, th- I think I'll just add to that, Frankie. I mean, we have seen that you know, some of that widening in spreads has, has largely retracted now. But what we do do is invest, optimise our investment strategy. And as a result, we're typically now investing more of what's called direct investments. So that things like infrastructure, social housing and urban regeneration. And what that means is that constant process of optimising our investment strategy means our clients get the best price possible at any one time. I think really what is key here for trustees is to be well prepared for future short-lived pricing opportunities. So that's doing things like engaging with the market early, ensuring that they have clean data, you know, agreeing a price target at which they'd be willing to transact and, and also putting in place a nimble governance process. That means that any sort of next short-lived opportunity shouldn't be missed. Thanks both. So the main message here is that pricing is never static and, and favourable market conditions will always continue to appear as, as market dynamics shift. And it's therefore worth spending the time now to be in, a, in the best position possible to act quickly and take advantage of those opportunities when when they do present themselves. So if we look back to market volumes 10 years ago, they were very much in the low single digit billions and have increased since um, uh, year on year. Why are more and more trustees and their corporate sponsors making use of these de-risking solutions and doing transactions? 
thanks Paige. So yeah, we, whilst bulk annuities have been around for over 30 years, we've only really seen growth accelerate in the past decade. The market has grown from say 10 to 12 billion a few years ago to around 40 billion last year. Although this year is expected to see a figure around the 25 billion pound mark. But the market has only really scratched the surface of the two trillion of UK DB pension scheme liabilities. Ultimately, the concept of defined benefit pension schemes have transitioned from a must-have employee benefit scheme decades ago to legacy arrangements that are often volatile in their funding level and so can cause considerable headaches and cost to the companies that support them. We would argue that these legacy pension promises sit more naturally within an insurance company who are experts in understanding and managing that risk and the cost of it and offering trustees and their members robust long-term security. A bulk annuity offers a pension scheme the opportunity to pass all of that risk to an insurer if people live longer than expected or assets don't perform as well as anticipated then that's ultimately now our responsibility. And what this really means is that for trustees, the opportunity to entrust their members' benefits, you know, with a well-trusted and strongly capitalised insurance company, which has a great track record for, for member care, is a job well done. And then for sponsors, you know, that opportunity to remove uh, these promises from their balance sheets and focus on growing their business and delivering for their customers, their shareholders and their employees is, is also a great attraction. The market is expected to continue to grow and some commentators are predicting as much as 750 billion of liabilities could be transferred to UK insurers in the next decade. Wow. So there are over two trillion pounds of defined benefit liabilities still um, uninsured. And, and as you mentioned, Aisha, people are expecting or predicting as much as 750 billion of liabilities to be transferred over to an insurer um, over the next 10 years through buy-ins and buy-outs, but that still leaves over half the remaining liabilities uninsured. Now, last year was very much defined by mega deals and the market remains buoyant. So how are smaller pension schemes faring in such a busy one? Thanks. I mean, as demand for bulk annuities has grown over the last five years, you know, the headlines have been dominated by the, the de-risking success stories of the larger pension schemes. Um, what this has meant is that for smaller schemes, they may have found it quite challenging to get insurer engagement in the market. I mean, for example, in 2014, there were 150 transactions uh, below 100 million, whereas there were around 106 transactions in 2019. So with close to 75% of UK DB pension schemes having assets of 100 million or less, there was clearly a demand for transactions of this size. You know, we've always been a whole of market provider. However, in 2019, we launched our small schemes proposition, and this allows us to better deliver for this area of the market. What this means is we've streamlined our approach to pricing, internal governance and contracts to make the process more efficient for smaller schemes. And we found really this has been very valued by trustees. You know, in the first six months of 2020, our acceptance rates for quotes for smaller transactions has more than doubled compared to the same period for, 20, uh, for 2019. And we're really proud of the success this proposition has had, and we're continuing to build on this. So I think really in summary, Paige, you know, small schemes may have struggled at times to get the attention they deserve in recent years, but we're certainly seeing an increase in demand from the smaller end of the market and we are keen to continue to provide solutions that meet their needs. Great. Thanks, um, Aisha. It's great to see that all schemes of all different sizes are still getting attention from the insurers within the market. But when should pension schemes start to consider their de-risking journey? I mean, I would say it's never too early to start um, considering a de-risking journey. 
And even if the end destination, you know, feels many years away, it's important to chart the right route as early as possible. You know, the long term objectives of both the trustees and the sponsors will be key in determining a scheme's ultimate end game goal and how they're going to get there. You know, uh, we've spoken about it already, but the main aim for trustees is to protect members' benefits long into the future, whereas a sponsor will want to remove or, you know, at least minimise the unrewarded risk of a pension scheme. And for these reasons, many schemes will have buyout with an insurer as their ultimate plan. Others may be targeting what's called a sort of do-it-yourself self-sufficiency approach, which will involve managing each risk individually. However, you know, having a well-managed dynamic plan in place means that schemes can take advantage of opportunities to do risk when they present themselves. And Frankie, do you have anything to add? I would add that historically schemes have focused on managing their investment risks, gradually reducing their allocation to growth assets and switching to a lower risk, more cash flow matched approach as they've matured. For those pension schemes, longevity has become the biggest residual risk, which has led to a significant rise in demand for tools that help to manage it. Removing risk for a series of buy-ins has become a widely used de-risking tool on the journey to buyout. We've transacted a number of these arrangements under what are called umbrella contracts that enable schemes to transact very quickly whenever market conditions lead to favourable pricing. However, these solutions may not be suitable for all pension schemes, in particular those where affordability is a challenge and they are an earlier stage of their de-risking journey, or those whose ultimate goal is self-sufficiency. This is where the market has looked to innovate. And as I mentioned, we've expanded our toolkit to other alternative solutions that enable schemes to remove some risk and continue on their journey. In summary, there is really no better time than the present to start thinking about the de-risking journey if the scheme hasn't already started to review their current plan in light of their wider objectives and the wider offering from insurers. We have always found that once a pension scheme starts to focus and prepare, then things start to fall into place and move more quickly than they perhaps initially anticipated. Great. So now a pension scheme has decided what route it wants to follow and it wants to start to engage with an insurer. What steps do they need to take to prepare in anticipation of coming to market? The first thing to say is that preparation is crucial to engaging insurers and achieving a successful outcome. And with that in mind, there are some clear steps a pension scheme can take before they come to market. Firstly, we look for early engagement. That's between the sponsor and trustee to ensure alignment of the long-term objectives, but also with insurers, which is especially important in a busy market. Secondly, and we can't stress this enough, is data. Ultimately, the insurer will be covering all or a subset of members and paying their benefits either to the trustees or to the members directly. For this, we need data to be as accurate and complete as it can be, and the benefits to be clearly set out. We'd advise that a scheme complete some data cleansing before coming to market. Because where data, such as postcodes, isn't clean or has gaps in it, this creates uncertainty. And what this means is it can, it can make insurers and reinsurers nervous and can lead to slightly prudent assumptions in their pricing, which could affect ultimately affordability. It's also worth noting that insurers usually ask for more data than the scheme may store, say for a triannual valuation. For example, marital status or, or, or data around the existence of spouses. The more of this data that can be provided, the less assumptions that have to be made, which ultimately is likely to benefit 
pricing. I'd probably add a, a couple more to that that list. And the next probably is really a clear plan for execution. Being able to demonstrate to insurers that there's a well thought, thought through route to a transaction will definitely encourage them to quote. I'd also say carrying out a feasibility exercises, exercise with your advisors to help set a price target is an important step that a scheme should take. This, you know, being able to articulate this to insurers can help to give them the confidence that a transaction will go ahead if the target is met. And then finally, I'd probably say, you know, establishing a nimble governance process, you know, perhaps by delegating authority to transact to a subcommittee is really important. You know, transaction windows, as we've already discussed, can be quite short lived and having an agile approach will definitely help get the best results. So I think really in summary, what we're saying is preparation is paramount to the success of a transaction. It definitely is. And transactions like these don't happen by accident. So we've talked through when to consider de-risking and how to prepare for a transaction. Could you walk us through a typical process of a buy-in and a buy-out transaction? Sure, um, I'll start with that one. So I think the process you know, usually starts with the schemes advisors preparing a request for quotation or RFQ and issuing this to the market alongside the data and the benefit specification. Usually the RFQ will outline you know, the details of the quote that's required, including any requests for supplementary information, the background to the scheme, the transaction plan, and, and sometimes some high-level contractual terms. Once insurers receive this information, they will then decide if they're going to take part in the process. So they look at a number of factors as part of their triaging process. So things that are about the scheme, so how well prepared it is, but also looking at where they can believe they can be competitive and offer a solution that's going to meet the client's needs. If the decision is then made to proceed, the insurer will prepare their proposal, including the premium. And this usually takes around sort of six to eight weeks for this round one process. The proposal is then submitted to the advisors who will review it and they'll obviously compare that alongside all the quotes that they receive from other insurers. And it's usually at this stage the client would you know, look to shortlist the insurers based on, the, on these first round proposals. Then the shortlisted insurers will be asked to provide their what's called their best and final proposal. And this will require a guaranteed premium. In some cases, but not all, the shortlisted insurers may be asked to attend what's called a selection meeting. And really, this is an opportunity for the trustees to meet the team, ask any questions they may have about the proposal or more generally about the insurer. And then following this, the trustees would usually select their preferred provider. Thanks, Aisha. Frankie, are you able to provide some insight into some of the main factors trustees look at when deciding which insurer they wish to transact with? And that's obviously a, a really key point where the trustees and their corporate sponsor are selecting who they're going to work with moving forward to complete the transaction. And whilst price is a key factor in the decision making process, trustees will want to take into consideration uh, a number of other factors such as the proposed contractual terms, the insurer's brand, their financial strength, and of course their experience in the market and, and the administration offering in terms of how, how they um, pay the trustees and ultimately then the members. There are numerous examples where the cheapest insurer has not been the winning insurer due to the weighting that trustees have put on these other factors. Once the preferred provider has been chosen, the trustees will enter into a period of exclusivity with them Typically, the price is then locked to the pension scheme's assets or a basket of assets. So the trustees have certainty and transparency over how the price will move over the period to ultimately completing the transaction. In the period of exclusivity, which is usually up to six weeks, the contract negotiation will be completed. Then, of course, the contracts will be signed and the premium will then become due and paid to the insurer. At that point, the buy-in has been executed. 
From receipt of the initial request all the way through to execution of the buy-in can take up to six months, but sometimes longer for, for, for the much bigger transactions. Following this, the onboarding of the administration onto our systems will start and the scheme will begin the contractual data claims. This stage typically takes about a year, sometimes up to 18 months. If the scheme is moving to buyout, then the final step following the data claims will be for the insurer to issue individual policies to the actual members. The, they will then become the insurer policyholders rather than the trustee. It's worth mentioning that what we've just described is a typical process. However, it can be completed in a much shorter or perhaps slightly longer timescale, depending on the client's objectives. And has this changed since COVID-19, Frankie? We'd say that the process hasn't changed since COVID-19 disrupted our normal ways of working. In our team, all employees have been working on an agile and flexible working basis for over two years now. Virtually all employees are currently still working from home with no disruption to business and without any material issues. A lot of steps involved. So it's great to see that our market has transitioned well to working from home and being able to continue to support pension schemes remotely, not to mention the ability to write many transactions. So we've discussed what pension schemes need to consider when thinking about de-risking. But before we end today, what further support can LNG offer to pension schemes in preparing for a de-risking transaction? So at Legal in General, we've been insuring UK pension schemes via bulk annuities for over 30 years. So we naturally do bring a lot of experience to the table. And as such, we're always happy to talk to clients directly to provide our perspective on their de-risking journey and our wider market. We've given presentations to trustees and corporate sponsors on a wide range of topics over the years, including how to access the market to achieve the best outcome. We often speak to people months or even years before they're ready to formally approach insurers for de-risking quotations. We certainly advocate any pension scheme thinking about a de-risking transaction taps up all the resources available to them and that should include talking directly to us. We've covered some interesting topics so thank you Aisha and Frankie for talking to us today and spending the time and giving our audience food for thought when considering de-risking. Our pleasure, thank you for having us. No problem, thank you Paige. So don't forget you can subscribe to our podcast Institutional Insights via iTunes and Spotify so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening and goodbye.